Welcome back to the H2B Creative Fuse podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, part of the creative team here at H2B Creative in downtown Dalton. I'm here today with Chelsea DeWaters. She is back. She was here to talk to us about the Young Game Changers a couple of weeks ago, but she's back to talk about her full-time job with CASA. Um, And tell me if I'm getting this right. It's a local Dalton nonprofit aimed at representing children in the Whitfield-Murray County court system. Yes, essentially. Okay. Um, So thank you for being here. If you would quickly reintroduce yourself and then tell us sort of what CASA stands for and Mm -hmm. what it what it really does. Yeah, I would love to. I'd love to talk about CASA. Our program is actually um, the kind of local franchise of a program that exists all over the country. Okay. um, Kind of like you have certain uh, chains where they're individually owned and operated, but they're everywhere you go. CASA is kind of the same way. So our CASA program here for Murray and Whitfield is part of Family Support Council, which is a larger nonprofit agency that focuses on preventing child abuse. Okay. Our CASA program is a little bit different than the rest of the agency in that we actually work with children who have had to leave their homes because the situation at their home had kind of come to such a point of crisis that the kids actually weren't safe in the home. And so they had to be removed temporarily into foster care. So that's what our program focuses on. CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Okay. Uh, so all of I'm our like work. Note of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a mouthful. That's what we call the volunteers who actually do the work of our program. They are called CASAs because they are court appointed special advocates. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yes, right. yes. Our volunteers are really, I, I think I said this last time I was here, they're just amazing people. They are uh, truly good neighbors. And uh, it's really an honor and an inspiration to work with them because these are folks who are from our community who were looking for a way to volunteer and get involved and serve the community. And they bit off a lot when they picked this volunteer role. So all of our volunteers are people who um, wanted to do something to help, but were really interested in doing something where they could really get involved and really invest in something and really, really have an impact on something. So they were willing to do some really hard work to put some uh, serious emotional labor in, um, to go through some extensive training, but they really wanted to be involved in something where they they could really have a seat at a really important table and really kind of roll up their sleeves and and work hard. Yeah, this isn't like a a volunteer opportunity where you like kind of show up for a day and you build something not that not to diminish those things at all but these are it seems like a much more labor intensive and long running Mm -hmm. volunteer position yes um what exactly do you do for CASA so I'm the program manager okay so I direct the CASA program at Family Support Council okay our agency has lots of different programs that do lots of different things and each one has a, a program manager so that's what I do and then um, we have a volunteer outreach coordinator and three volunteer supervisors so our staff's job is to find volunteers to do this work to be CASAs to then train them to be CASAs and then to supervise them in their work as CASA volunteers okay so So each of our volunteers is assigned to a staff person who is like their teammate and walks with them through every foster care case that they take 
is really collaborating with them all the time on what that case needs and how to get the next thing done or how to find the next person that we want to talk to. So our staff is there to really just support and surround the volunteers who are doing the work. How many volunteers do you currently have? Right now we only have 21, okay. which is actually significantly down from where we were a couple of years ago. So we're really, really in need of more volunteers. How do you go about like recruiting volunteers? Like what resources do you use? Where do you show up to meet people? Like what does that yeah. process look like? Yeah. So we do a lot of different things to kind of try to spread the word about our program. Uh, you know, it's interesting in my experience working in the foster care system, which is about 10 years now, I've noticed that our our kids who are in foster care seem to be in a lot of ways really kind of hidden from the rest of the community. This is a community that really, and I I was telling you earlier, you know, I'm not from this community, so I've learned a lot about it in the decade that I've been here, and I've been continuously amazed by how invested people are in the community here. There's a lot of people here who grew up here. There's a lot of people here who moved here because they love it and they continue to love it. And there really is a sense of community care and people really viewing Dalton and Whitfield and and Chatsworth and Murray County as well as like their home that they feel responsible for. So I see a really impressive level of just, just community involvement and care. And yet I still meet people all the time who have no idea that we have 250 of our local kids who are living in foster care. Oh my gosh. And these are kids that are from this community, yeah. right? They're born and raised here, right? This is their home. They're our neighbors. And those children have had to leave their families. They've been through um, trauma. Before they left their families, they've been through the trauma of being separated from their family, separated from their parents, sometimes their siblings, their grandparents, their relatives, having to go to a new school, having to uh, make new friends. And they're really at a difficult moment in their life. And they're surrounded by people who are really uh, caring, kind folks who often just don't know or aren't aware of kind of the scope of the problem that those children are facing and that their families are facing. We sort of see our role as finding volunteers to be those good neighbors, to come alongside those families who are struggling, but also to really just help shed some light for the community at large on what our foster care system looks like here. yeah and of course there's a lot of reasons that those issues can be kind of hidden there's a lot of confidentiality issues around foster care right it's a state system yeah. and we have to be really careful but we really do want the community at large to just know at least broadly the, this is kind of the number of our kids who are going through this right now and the reasons that they're going through it are because their families are struggling with really heavy burdens so really heavy burdens of poverty a lot of really deep struggles with addiction and substance use a shortage of services for mental health these are some really deep-seated issues in our community and we have quite a few families who have actually been been sort of torn apart as a result of these issues and are really in need of their village to yeah. kind of come around them and their neighbors to come alongside them. I think a lot of those things that you brought up are things that a lot of communities are struggling with mm-hmm. or things that are becoming prevalent isn't the right word because they've already existed, but mm-hmm. are coming to light a little more and mm-hmm. there's more focus on helping people. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that does get forgotten is that a lot of times there are children that are 
complete innocence in all of this. Mm -hmm. Like they don't know what substance abuse is or they Mm -hmm. don't fully understand the scope of of poverty or mental health at that point. Like they're kids. They don't have to think about that. Like it's not life experiences they should be having. So having kids sort of like fall victim to some of that without any say so, Mm -hmm. you know, you Mm want to have a support network that shows up for them and Mm -hmm. takes care of them. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's really admirable that people step up to volunteer to be those people for them. What does the training process for a volunteer look like? I think you said that it was pretty intensive. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, So I'm curious what that looks like. So a lot of our volunteers really don't have any particular background in this work. Um, They come from all different walks of life, all different work experience, all different levels of education, types of education. So some of our volunteers really come to us just they're like, these are our neighbors and we want to help, but yeah. we we don't know anything about this system or kind of how this work looks. So all of our volunteers go through the same process, which is a 10-week class. Oh, gosh. So okay. they come in uh, once a week for a class session. And then there's some work that's done in between the class in terms of reading going to juvenile court and observing the proceedings that take place there, which are the proceedings that ultimately sort of determine a child's path through the foster care system. And of course, there's a series of checks that we do on our volunteers, right, to, to kind of get some information about their background. But each of our volunteers really puts a lot of time into that training. So the class itself is about three and a half hours. And then there's usually about three hours of kind of homework in between the sessions. And the training is really designed to, in some ways, kind of simulate what it might be like to be a CASA, where you would be putting, you know, probably five or six hours a week into your work as a CASA. You'd be going to juvenile court and kind of getting a feel for what that feels like. But the training itself really tries to give folks as much detail as possible about what it looks like to be a CASA, what we do week in and week out, what's expected of us, what it is that we contribute to juvenile court and the foster care system, and then also to give folks a sense of kind of who we are as a program. So what our values are, what our core principles and kind of guiding uh, belief structures are. Because we feel like there are a lot of ways to help and everybody has to find the way that's right for them. So if somebody goes through our training gets sworn in by our juvenile court judge as a court-appointed special advocate of his court and then takes on a foster care case, we want them to do that feeling like, I really understand what I'm signing up for here, and this is the right place for my gifts and my skill sets and my passion to be put to work. So we really try to create kind of as clear a picture as we can for people of, of what it's going to require and then um, do a lot of training around around trauma and around addiction and mental health issues around issues of poverty, issues of uh, bias, right? All of these beliefs that we kind of hold about our neighbors that we will encounter in yeah. this work. Um, so really just doing some personal work as well on how each person is going to individually come to this role of, again, really sort of coming alongside a family, coming alongside their neighbors who are in a really complex, difficult moment in life. How am I as an individual going to step into that space with those people and kind of walk with them through that in a way that doesn't do any harm and that is helpful 
informed, encouraging, empowering. Yeah. Um, so that's what our volunteers really kind of develop in the training. Oh, that sounds really uh, quite amazing, really. What does, and I know that this is probably a different answer every week or for every person, mm-hmm. but if somebody gets through this whole process and they get sworn in, what would a typical week kind of look like for them working with CASA or as a CASA? And again, I know I'm sure that's different all the time, mm-hmm. but what when someone's like, I'm curious about this, like, what would I be doing? Mm-hmm. What do you tell them? Like, okay, this is what you'd be doing for each mm-hmm. week when you're done with training. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I always say that there's kind of two parts in my mind to what a CASA volunteer does. So the first part is that they really serve as a support to the child. And that's in and of itself would be enough because unfortunately for a lot of our children who come into foster care, they stay in foster care for uh, months and sometimes years. And it's not unusual for children to actually have to change the foster placement that they are in several times throughout the case. Yeah. So our little kiddos from Murray and Whitfield County are leaving their home and everything they've ever known. They're going into a new space where they have a new a new bedroom and a new bathroom and a new kitchen, a new bed, a new school often. And then sometimes they have to move for one reason or another to another placement, which may be in our community. It may be somewhere else in Georgia. Oh, and they have a whole new bed and kitchen and bedroom yeah. and school. And often they have a new pediatrician and new therapist in addition to their new caregivers that they're living with. And for some of our kids, that can happen several times. So having people from your own community that you remain connected to throughout that process is so critical. It's critical for children just feeling like they're not alone in the world. It's critical for the care that they need remaining consistent over the course of all those different living situations. Um, And it's also what we're learning. It's critical for literally like mitigating the impact of trauma. Yeah. Those consistent relationships where that child knows these are people who know me. They know my story. They're sort of they're from my home, right? They're of, of me and mine. And they're with me no matter where I go really like has an impact on brain chemistry around trauma. Interesting. So that relationship that that CASA volunteer builds with that child and just holds with that child throughout the whole case, whatever happens, is so, so important to helping to take care of our kids through this process just in and of itself. And so our volunteers do spend a lot of time with their kids. They visit them kind of wherever they're placed. Sometimes they go to to school events or football games or school plays. They are someone that our kids can always call. Right. So depending on the child's age, they often just spend a lot of time on the phone with that child, just hearing about their day or helping them process whatever they're feeling. Right. Just being a a person who listens and who understands. So that that piece is something that I feel like we as a community can do for these kids if we do nothing else. Right. We can be one of those constant nurturing adult presence in the life of each of these kids as they go through this. And even if we don't see it right now, we know that that in and of itself is going to 
be a healing and protective yeah. factor for our kids who are who are really going through a, a really hard thing. So that's kind of the one side of what our classes do. The other side of what they do is help the juvenile court judge make his decisions okay. for the case. And this is a really significant responsibility as well. It has some more moving pieces to it than that kind of mentor support system part for the child. So our causes talk to everybody involved in the case. Okay. They talk to uh, the parents, they talk to DFACS, the Division of Family and Children's Services, which is our state foster care agency. They talk to therapists, they talk to uh, rehab providers, they talk to attorneys, they talk to wow. doctor's offices and schools. They really help the foster care system and DFACS try to really sort of keep a finger on the pulse of everything that's going on within that case. Okay, And they also are trying to help our, our foster care system support the parents whose children have been removed okay so the goal of our foster care system and not everyone knows this but we need this to be really public information the goal of our foster care system is to reunify families we really are a system that is set up and bent on helping families who have reached this level of crisis yeah and really kind of creating a roadmap for how can a family that has reached a point of crisis where the home is not even safe and people can't even live there safely, how could that family restabilize? What does this particular family need to become a safe place for everybody there again? So there's a whole process that's unfolding with the parents while the child is temporarily in foster care. And so CASA volunteers get to really be a big part of that. They really get to know the parents, really work to understand that family's story. What happened? How did we get here? What would it look like for healing to happen? Are we as a system providing all of the the best supports and services that we can to that family? Is there something that needs to be tweaked? So CASAs get to just kind of sit at the table where those things are being discovered and determined and really try to just help keep that whole process moving forward. And then at each court hearing, they make a recommendation to the juvenile court judge about what should happen next. They have a lot of responsibility. They do have a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And it's, I think to a lot of people, especially if that's not your background and you haven't done that kind of thing before, it can feel really intimidating. But what I can tell you is that, again, we train our volunteers to do this. Everybody can learn how to do this. But the demands that are placed on our foster care system. So the professionals who work in that system, the state social workers who do this, have so much on their plates. So much is asked of them. And we have really incredible teams here in Murray and Whitfield um, at both of our defects offices who accomplish just an incredible amount of work every day, like a superhuman amount of work every day. So what I like people to think about when they're thinking about volunteering for CASA is the difference that it can make to just have like an extra set of hands in that process, to just have another person who's like, I'm here, I can make phone calls, I can send emails, I can go check on things. And, and just put some extra hours and time 
into my particular case because our our CASAs usually only have um, one or two cases at a time. Some of our CASAs will take three or four if they really have a lot of time on their hands. But they get to just really focus on that case and just be and just sort of make themselves an expert on that family story. Just be a person in the room who has been curious and asking questions and is bringing all of that information that they've gathered to the table. So there is a weighty responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's it's really just being an, that extra set of hands who shows up and says, I've, I've got some time, right? I can help with this process. Yeah. And just assisting those professionals in kind of carrying out that that task that they're responsible for. In the same way that you said, you know, these kids need their village, mm. um, how has the community of Dalton supported the organization as a whole or the volunteers mm. or the mission? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we, and this kind of goes back to your question earlier, we get a lot of um, really amazing support from the community. Family Support Council is a, a United Way agency. And of course, United Way is like right the whole community yeah. kind of coming together to support agencies who do the kind of work that we do. So we get a lot of support from United Way. We have a lot of really amazing just local donors, lots of wonderful local businesses who sponsor CASA events and um, put up our posters in their windows and put our little flyers on their uh, desks who invite us to come speak to their staff. Um, The chamber has been a huge support to our program. So we do a lot of just putting little ads around town. And we also do a lot of going to groups and talking to them about CASA. Cool. Because we feel like the more people that know about CASA, the easier it's going to be for the volunteers whom this is right for to find us. Yeah. Because um, I may, you know, go talk to the wonderful Kiwanis Club where they love to um, have us and have had us come speak several times. There might not be anybody in the room who's at a point in their life where this makes sense for them. But when one of their friends is like, I yeah, think I want to get more It plants a seed. Like, yeah. you know, and, and that could be one of those things that's like, it's not right right now, but then a couple of years down the road, you're like, I can't get this thing off my mind yes. or I keep hearing about it. Like, yeah. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So we really have had a, a lot of different ways that the community has been really supportive. And we're always we're always looking for that. Right. We're always looking for places where we can go do a little presentation and just talk about what we do. And again, talk about our kids and their families, yeah. right? If nothing else, to just kind of share with people, this is the work that's being done here and we want you to just be aware of it, you know, right? Kind of have your heartstrings tuned to these these neighbors of yeah. ours. And then we're also always looking for, for people who are willing to like put up our flyer in their, in their business somewhere, put up a poster or, you know, share some other maybe advertising opportunity that they have with us. So we've been really um, encouraged by the support we've gotten around that. I'll keep my eyes and ears open for places that you you. could go like speak or put something up. Um, What has been the most challenging part of your job and how have you sort of overcome it or you're working to? Mm. I would say that the most challenging part of my job is really personal to me. And that is really working through on a continuous basis my own biases and prejudices. So this work has continuously challenged beliefs that I hold 
about people in certain situations, people who have experienced certain things, people who have made certain choices. And I will tell you that the most challenging and, and really most encouraging and rewarding part of doing this work for me personally has been just being in a space where empathy is always required. And empathy that isn't just like like right compassion and care but but this job demands that I really understand what is actually going on with someone else and often it's someone who is having an experience that I have not had because if I right if I'm sympathetic if I'm caring that's great but if I don't really get it yeah I can't make good recommendations to the judge right I'm making recommendations based on something that's not going on rather than the thing that is going on. So we talk a lot about this in the CASA program, right? We're dedicated kind of constantly to making sure that whatever the situation is, whatever the nuances of it are, whatever the the difficult kind of tricky, sticky complexities of it are, how are we really honing our ability to show up as people who are really open-minded and who can learn at all times about someone else's story and about someone else's experience. And this is beautiful work, but it's often painful because I constantly find new little prejudices Mm -hmm. that I had, right? New little assumptions that I've always made or that I built along the way about what's going on. And I think when you step into, again, these really sort of difficult moments of life with people that are so complicated, that didn't come about overnight and are not going to be changed overnight, you just you just find that like people are people and life is hard and things are complicated and usually more gray and less black and white. And so that is, um, again, wonderful. It's a wonderful process to be constantly undergoing, but it's often uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) Yep. I'm familiar with the the comfort and the uncomfort of digging into some of those things yes so yeah but I'm thankful for it I mean I, I find that one of the kind of richest things about doing this work is just the way that again we we just watch neighbors connecting with each other yeah and learning from each other and changing through that experience of walking through those hard times in life together and that is a really beautiful thing I feel like that kind of leads into this last question that I love to ask is what is the most rewarding part of this job yes I think it's that I think it's that yeah yeah it really is I mean it's a really hopeful thing yeah. to watch that process unfold we sort of feel like we're watching our causes just build little bridges all over our community because so often not always but so often through this process, people are getting to know each other and working together who really may not have ever crossed paths otherwise um, for a whole lot of reasons, right? But we just see our CASAs out there, right? Building that empathy, building that understanding, Mm -hmm. learning from our clients, our clients learning from our CASAs, right? People just sharing their different life experiences with each other and mutually sharing their own learnings with each other. That, right, the wisdom of their own experiences with each other. And that might sound strange when we know that the people we're working with are folks who are like right at a moment where they're really struggling. But 
these are members of our community who have a lot of profound experiences and who have a lot of learnings from those experiences. So even though they're going through a really hard time, there is this very mutual kind of connection and learning that takes place when we like come together in these hard places. So it's sort of just like sitting back and just watching these bridges get built and watching that connectedness within our community expand all the time. And um, that's really I, I, again, I find that very beautiful. I also find it very hopeful, just sort of hopeful generally for the future. I've right? had a lot of conversations about hope lately. And Have you? Yeah, yeah, and I feel good. like it's one of those things that like shows up in movies and TV shows uh-huh. and it's a little bit cheesy, but then realistically, like it's so important. So mm-hmm. I think that the more we can continue to talk about it and have it and share mm-hmm. it, it's such a really cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's an honor and that's an ongoing kind of just dose of encouragement for, for our team um, to be part of that. Oh, good. So thanks for letting me talk about it. Obviously, I could talk about it for days and weeks and months. Then you're in the right <laughs> position, I yes. think. Um, so if people are interested in becoming a volunteer or learning more about it, where would they find you? I always say the best place to find us, one of the easiest, is just on our Facebook. So okay. Murray Whitfield Casa on Facebook. You can find lots of just posts from our program and kind of get a flavor for what we're like and also find contact information and a okay. link to our website where you can submit a, an inquiry. Um, you can also just Google Murray Whitfield Casa and find our page on the Family Support Council website um, where there's a, a good bit of information about what our program looks like and, um, again, that inquiry form. And, and you can also just call us and talk to Tracy. Tracy's our, our, our team member who sets up all of our training. Okay. So when folks are interested, usually they call, they talk to Tracy. Tracy answers questions. If they feel really interested, they'll come in and we'll do an interview. So cool. we'll just have a longer conversation about kind of what it looks like and the nuts and bolts so that people can really determine if it's the right time for them yeah. to move forward with it. And we'll include your Facebook and probably your website in our podcast notes so if you are listening and want to scroll down you can probably click there but other than that chelsea thank you for being here again Mm -hmm. Um, i'm sure we'll have you back for for one reason or another Um, (laughs) thank you thank you for having me twice in a month really oh we love it we love it um so yeah i appreciate it y'all check out casa get involved ask questions and that's it thank you yeah Thanks for hanging out with us today here at the H2B Creative Fuse podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe, whether you listen on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher. H2B Creative is located in downtown Dalton and is here to assist with all of your marketing needs. Check us out at h2bcreative.com or creativefusepodcast.com or any of our social channels. Until next time, stay creative. Stay creative.